Facebook and then YouTube and then no, audio? No, I would say it's Facebook, audio, YouTube. Is that right? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Quaker Oat Squares. Have you ever had those? Yes, delightful. Those are amazing. Absolutely delightful. Amazing. Very crunchy and fatigue your jaw quite quickly. Much. Um, if you like those, you would love Cracklin' Oat Bran. Is it sweet? Yes. Because oh. my mom used to get all bran and it literally Not tasted sweet. like hay to me. It, it Not that I've eaten a lot of Pretty much but. is. That's. I've had hay. It's more flavor. Well. It's, it's actually better than the oat bran or than the uh, all bran. And people that make like the at Christmas time, like the the chocolate. Have you seen those? They'll make they'll take like all bran and mix it with chocolate, and make like little haystacks, like candies. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not candy. Yeah, you're not no, because because you bite it and then it's just the chocolate melts and then it's just dry <laughs> all bran in your mouth. I'm like, yeah, don't the, try to fool me with the, this. I feel like the haystacks candy stuff that I've seen in my lifetime was made with pretzels and that'd be better. It, it, it was. It was delightful. I think it was butterscotch on it maybe even okay so. i can get behind that what is my hair doing if my mom's listening she can comment she'll, have you ever used all brand say no oh yeah lots we've used lots of all brand and my dad used to used to really love all brand he, nobody loved all brand. He, he did he he was that cardboard eating guy you know it was kind of <laughs> that stuff. Cardboard. Um, but when i was a kid and we would eat brand flakes or all brand or really anything we're piling sugar on it you know right. so like my mom I think my mom, truthfully, would probably, if you're eating a bowl of Fruit Loops, she's going to put sugar on it. You know, I remember, so frosted flakes with sugar on right. it. Right. Like, I remember very vividly having Rice Krispies and just pouring oh, sugar. Oh, yeah. And so, which, like, which is delightful. It at the is. End. It is <laughs> because the sugar doesn't dissolve totally. So there's like a little pool of sugar at the end of your milk that you're just you know crunching on. I used to when I was a kid. I hated Grey Muns. Grey Muns is really important to me because I'm just a weird kid. When somewhere along the way. You know, maybe middle school, high school, you know, it, when I saw how much protein and fiber there was in there, I'm like, okay, this is going to be my football, my post-football snack thing, right? So I started having grape nuts just by the handful, dry grape nuts oh, by man. a handful. Talk about jaw fatigue. Yeah. yeah. But the coolest thing when I – the coolest thing. There's no – nothing about this <laughs> has anything to do with nuts. cool. There's, there's no cool in this conversation. But, uh, grape nuts, man. <laughs> but uh, grape nuts with honey. And, and, and milk. So then you get the Slow down. then you get then you got the milk and honey combo at the uh, end, and it's just and they cling to the honey and it becomes rather. Have you ever had grape nuts hot? Yes, yeah. I like that better. I don't know if I like it better. I didn't dislike it. It's a lot of work. Well, this gets us into like <laughs> you know the whole microwave thing. It gets us into like cocoa wheat territory. <laughs> you know, I so often I think, man, I want to make protein out of this, but no, I like indoor plumbing. A microwave is too much work it's for me. Like I'm George pretty, last week when our power sure went out. Did out, they he's die? Like, did they die? Yes, yeah, so we played Oregon Trail a lot, and everybody oh, died dysentery. of dysentery. Oh my goodness! When you talk about like microwave cereals, it makes me think of like you know cocoa wheats, which I love. They yes, can't, they can't it's a win. be beat. They can't be beat. It's a good thing. It's a creamy hot cereal with cocoa cream. Malto meal. There's a lot of cream of wheat. A lot of this. Oh man. Uh, it, and, and it's got to have a little bit of lumpiness to it. If it doesn't have some lumps in it. What it's, it's got to have is a lot of butter and brown sugar. For real? Yeah. Anyway, a little pinch of salt. Uh, yeah, and anybody who was around, <laughs> if we ever had friends over for breakfast, they, they would usually get shocked <clears throat> because my mom couldn't come home with whatever it is. Pop-Tarts, you would eat them raw. Right. Like, I would put butter on my cake. 
And he lived to the ripe old age of 98. There you go. Anywho, how are you? I am great. Throat's a little rough. I got a little bit of a, got a little, got one of those things going on. So so that's, I've got to drink the, uh, the John Knox coffee here. So your goal for 2024 should be to grow that beard. I think it's going to take me more than 2024. (laughs) Your goal for the rest of your life. If I never cut my beard again, it will never get to that point. I'm more impressed by the mustache, to be honest. Because the mustache is as long I, as the I beard. think he was still young enough to have a, a lot more 18. testosterone <laughs> than most of us. But. Anywho. I don't know how, how old Knox was when he died. But Let's look it up. Cat accomplished a lot I've of been, things, man. I've discovered that I look up at least one thing every so podcast. If you look at if you look at John Knox's face on my mug, I don't know how many of you can see John Knox on my mug. This is a, a Scottish. This is a mug from Covenant Theological Seminary. And you can see how the Scots like the beards and the Highland cows. So there's a lot of hairy things going on there. He was born in 15... 15- now I have to go watch Braveheart. He was born in 1514. He died in 1572. All right. So How old is that? Not, not young. It's all right. 58. That is pretty young. Well, now. <laughs> it's young for us. Did they die? <laughs> you know, the, uh, the lifespan was a little bit different before modern medicine sure. at that point. So, anyway, so we didn't. Times, you only have fifty-eight times. years to grow that beard. That's yeah. impressive. I, I, yeah. Probably didn't start at birth either. So it probably didn't finish when he was fifty-eight. Probably finished before that, as far as getting to that length. So true. What are we on about? <laughs> We're talking about you're invested, supposed to lead. You're supposed to lead this podcast. Leadership. Well done. Well done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we were talking about, it's kind of a spillover from our testimony Sunday the week before with the overseers, which was uh, just such Fantastic. a powerful, powerful thing. And uh, just um, mostly uh, not because I had anything particularly um, meaningful to say, but mostly just for the principle of, of living openly and not, you know, we don't want to. Um, we want to make sure that our <clears throat> that our folks um, understand and know who the leaders are and stuff. And so, says the sound keeps coming in and out. She can only hear Stacy when she puts the mouth directly in front of the mic. I'm sorry, I'll up my game too. Well, all right. Well, thank you for that contribution. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll be uh, here the rest of the day. <laughs> A little boost in the gain for you too. Huh? Yes, I so, guess. Usually I'm okay. All right. If you can hear me, that's really that's questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I apologize for everything else. But uh, anyway, we just want to make sure that, that we've only been talking about cereal so far. We so. have the openness, uh, you know, for everybody as we go through it. So then, um, in looking at, at, in keeping with the idea of talking about uh, church leadership, we took a look at Acts chapter twenty, um, verses seventeen to thirty-eight, and. Um, looking at Paul's charge to the Ephesian elders as he uh, called them, <clears throat> excuse me, he's traveling uh, to Jerusalem and, and didn't want to be slowed down. So he had them come to him at Miletus and he's giving them a charge and, and greeting and, and saying goodbye. I'm never going to see you again. And of course they're very sad by that. Um, but was as it, he was, was doing it, yikes. <laughs> <what's> it, yikes. <sighs> <sighs> Sorry. So anyway, as they're, uh, uh, as as he's giving them this charge, it gives us a pretty good, um, uh, I guess I'm going to say blueprint uh, for um, the 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 church leader focus, particularly on discipleship. But to, to look at the character, uh, the the job 
the mission of church leaders. Uh, and you kind of laid that out for us. And one of the things that, that really sort of became our, our core reality as we're going through it is that cr- real Christian leadership is rooted in love and openness. And so as we look at uh, Christian leaders, whether we're talking about pastors, uh, you know, overseer elders, uh, you know, like we've been talking about in church the last couple of weeks, or leaders in general, uh, Sunday school teachers, uh, choir directors, whatever else. When we look at, um, at at those who are in leadership positions, the nature of leadership is authority, mm-hmm. which it, biblical authority is always a picture of responsibility. So it's never a matter of power the way we often think of it in, in worldly terms. So the president has power, co- you know, congressman has power, uh, rich people have power. All, we t- tend to think in terms of power, but biblically, when we look at authority all the way back to Genesis, uh, there is a certain level of power that comes along with it, right. but that's never the goal of biblical authority. That's worldly authority and, and the sinful heart will will take that and corrupt it and twist it. But the the picture of biblical authority is always responsibility for those who are placed under your care. So when we talk about the, the headship of the husband and the family, it has nothing to do with whether he's smarter or anything else than, than, than uh, his wife. It has to do with the fact that God has charged him with the responsibility for his wife. She may be better and, and my personal marriage example is my wife's better than me at almost everything, almost all the time. Uh, I'm stronger than her. You're saying that because she's watching. <laughs> she's not really watching. She checked the sound and then she checked out. She's she, like, they're no good. I'm I, leaving. I know, I know she's working. You and, people <laughs> are not. <laughs> so um, my take on this, and we've been joking about this you people thing all the time, is that if you people are offended by you people, then you people are the you people who should be offended. So the reality is this unless you're speaking specifically in racial terms, which is virtually never the case for most people, uh, then the question is, what's wrong with you people? And shout out to R.C. Sproul, the late Dr. R.C. Sproul. Shout out to Jay Money, who said, who's throwing golden grams into the cereal. Golden grams, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, good call, Jeremy. Good call. So anyway, as we're as we're looking at, at this idea of, of headship, the, the concept is very much like a like a manager. And I, I remember the night I learned this as a retail manager back in the 90s, as I was sitting on the floor at 1130 at night trying to fix a broken vacuum. Fun. Didn't know anything about fixing a broken vacuum. I wasn't the most qualified for it, but it was my job. Mm. I was responsible for this, which means one way or another, whether I'm doing it or somebody else is doing it, I'm the one responsible for it. We've been talking about this a lot with our uh, building project, working on uh, getting our house and, and talking about contractors and so on. And really, ultimately, that's the job of the contractor. You are responsible, period. So everything else that, that happens underneath the, you having issues with my microphone there? Says you still sound quiet and you sound like you're far away. No, that's probably because I was too, probably too far away. I got to get better at sitting up. You, you know I'm a slaucher. So you need the so, Mr. Hay posture. I do. Uh, anyhow, so. Because uh, your gain's all the way up. <laughs> Well, we probably don't want that, but I'll, I'll try to do better. Anyhow, um, as we are um, talking about church leaders, in, and I'm going to do my best to ignore the sound issues and let you, yeah, I'll let producer Stacy handle that, and I'll try to just do better. Uh, as, we're, as we're looking at this, the, the nature of Christian leadership and church leaders and, and, uh, and any Christ follower who... Christ follower who is in a leadership position, whether in the church or otherwise, it it has to be rooted in love and openness. And so that means that the things that we do are driven by a desire 
uh, for your good, mm. not by a desire to rule over you, but rather to to elevate you. To, we were just talking about this uh, last night as we were reading Desiring God at, at Bible study. And, and um, used to, we're, we're in a chapter on money, and uh, Piper was pointing out that the, uh, the it's not a, um, he didn't use the word mercenary in this, this part, but it's not a, a, a sham love. That's the phrase he used. Mm-hmm. It's not a sham love to seek rewards by using our money, you know, for people, because what we're actually trying to do is to drag them into that reward with us. So it's not just, I'm going to do things for you. I'm going to spend the money for the poor or whatever, so that I can gain reward in heaven. It's because I want you also to gain reward in heaven. I want to benefit you and bring you into this. So um, Christian leaders need to have that mentality, that approach, whatever you're trying to do, whether it's in church or otherwise, um, the goal can't be, I'm going to get mine. Right. You know, the remember the Titans kind of thing. You know, I'm I'm going to watch out for me. I'm going to get mine. And, and that's how it works. The the Christian leader has to lead from that platform of love. That has to be what drives everything uh, in the same way that, that everything that Christ did was driven by love. He didn't come to serve, but to be served, but to serve. He didn't come uh, to gain power in a kingdom. He already knew he was he's the king. Right? He's the king of kings. And so he came to serve, to seek and to save the lost. And so Christian leaders have to have that mentality, that that as a, as a governing motive for all the rest of the details of what they do. And for that to actually function well and for our sinful nature not to uh, stain everything the way it, it tends to do, um, we need to live in an open fashion. In other words, we need to give people access to our lives so that we don't have secrets. One of the things that that uh, I've been trying to um, get across to myself and to others for a, a lot of years is w- when we get everything out on the table, when when, when everything's exposed and, and, and there's nothing hidden, it takes ammunition out of the devil's gun. Mm. His primary thing is is to be the accuser of the brother, brethren. So as he accuses, I'm stumbling all over myself this morning. So as he is accusing no one can hear us, you. It's okay. yeah, nice. All right, um, <laughs> I should get farther away so nobody knows what an idiot. But anyway, as we're as we're looking at this stuff, the devil is constantly working to accuse us. But if it's already out on the table, then he doesn't have the power of guilt and and all these other things in, in bringing those accusations against us. So now. Everybody knows, like, well, you did this terrible thing. You're a terrible person. Yeah, no big surprise here, right? We already know. Like Luther said, yes, what of it? I know one who has made satisfaction for me. And so this this power of openness does a lot of things. And one of the things that it does is it allows the the people under your care as a leader um, to actually know and trust you. Mm -hmm. They can trust you, not because you're perfect, but because there's no secrets. There's nothing, nothing hidden out here. And whatever foolishness, whatever sinfulness, whatever selfishness comes up, it's not a surprise because they don't expect that you're some legendary perfect being. That's only Christ. Well, I think we touched on this last week. You know, it also not necessarily puts you on the same level, but it, it makes them realize that they aren't so different from the person in a leadership role. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this person has the same sense that relatability that I do. Kind of there's, thing. A, there's a movie it's a terrible movie uh that george has been watching it's called we can be heroes okay and it's Don't like it's it. like a sequel to shark boy and lava girl that's a <laughs> it's a very strong start right out of the gate um right? it's got pedro pascal in it which is weird 
random. He's like the only celebrity mm-hmm. in it. But it's a bunch of kids who are superheroes. Anyway. A little, a little hard up for work lately. I, huh? Well, I think it's like a few years old. But anyway, he's like the leader of this superhero group. And he says, a good leader leads by example. And that kind of makes me think that because, you know, if you're just high on this pedestal, you know, yeah. talking down to people, they're not going to have the relationship with you that I think they should, that that leaders should with the people, you know, I I don't like to use the word beneath them, but I guess beneath them. Yeah. Within their watch. Right. Yeah. Under their care. And and so as we're, as we're considering all of these principles, the idea of living openly, very much like what we were talking about parenting, uh, values are more readily caught than taught. And so uh, people uh, who are following a leader, Intentionally in, in terms of discipleship and following, but also unintentionally just by proximity. The more we spend time with somebody, the more we become like them. Uh, two old people have mar- been married for a long time, and they just kind of become more alike than they were when they were younger. And so the um, the nature of that means that that when we live openly, when we give access to our lives, the um, it, it's actually true even if we don't. But we can have that authenticity that, that allows us to lead others by that example to be able to say, okay, here's what I'm doing in my life. When I'm just out here not doing this thing that I'm telling you to do, right. that, that, that's pretty tough. That's a, that's a hard thing. And I think that's where you end up with hypocrisy, scandal. You end up with a lot of burnout uh, from it because who can maintain it, right? right. If, I'm trying, if I'm trying to convince people that I'm you know, Joe cool, dignified, always have everything all together. That's a lot of work to keep all the balls in the air. Right. While you're wearing skinny jeans. But, (laughs) but if we're, (laughs) I'm going to stop. But if, if we're just being real, living life as it is, not as we wish it were, as we want to pretend that it is, then it gives people the opportunity to be able to, to, um, to rightly assess, is this an example I want to follow? Mm-hmm. Therefore, when we choose our leaders or we affirm our, our leaders that, that God has chosen, is probably a wiser way to say that. Um, when we do those things, we can actually assess the person, not the image. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a the discrepancy between image and reality. Uh, there's this distortion field that creates all sorts of havoc in our lives. And, and so we do that with the celebrity you know, the celebrity dynamic sure. in general, you know, we're going to see so much in the next couple of weeks here about Taylor Swift. And, um, you know, there's, regardless of how anybody feels about her as a, an individual, one way or another, most of us should just relax because none of us actually know her personally, you know, that are listening to this podcast. Uh, if you do, if you've met her and hang out with her, then correct me and comment. But otherwise, her the, brother went the, to Notre Dame. the reality, I did not know that. I didn't even know she had a brother. But the, my, my point is, we're going to see a lot of things about Taylor Swift right. and uh, the NFL is having just huge numbers because Taylor Swift, she's dating Travis Kelsey. And because of the celebrity magnetism, that, right or wrong, people are making, this is the crazy thing, making life decisions right. based on what Taylor does. Right. So, uh, you know, and we do this all the time with celebrities. Well, she's wearing that now sales go up for this right i saw katie here and wearing army pants and flip-flops so i bought army pants. all these all these kinds of things we do that with pastors as well right Right. so we put them up on this pedestal and we think they can do no wrong Mm -hmm. this has come up a lot recently uh with controversy about alistair Begg, one of one of my favorite um well-known uh preachers and uh alistair Begg has, has had 
decades of, of fantastically solid uh, ministry and uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then uh, <clears throat> fairly recently an interview, it, it's been a few months, I guess, but it's just hitting big now. Uh, an interview about his most recent book, he's talking about advice that he gave to a grandmother about how to handle her granddaughter's um, same-sex, mm. quote, wedding, you know, uh, ceremony. And the advice that he gave was very controversial among a lot of conservatives. They felt like he was going soft, going liberal, and all this kind of stuff. Well, while he and I might disagree about the conclusion of that, that doesn't mean I have to do what he does right. because he's the celebrity pastor. Right. It doesn't mean that now I can't ever follow him again or, or listen to his sermons again because we disagreed about a thing. We just need to be open and real in general and so that we can rightly assess each other. And uh, the article I just sent you for the newsletter about being slow to judge um, kind of relates to that. We just need to slow down and not be so quick to judge one way or another. We, and we've had a number of situations here in the church recently where the natural tendency for us as humans, and I think it's exacerbated in our society and our, our hot take society that we've got, is whatever happens, I have to have an opinion on it. And I have to express that opinion. And so when there's a conflict between two people, I have to pick sides and I have to decide how this is going to be. That's not real. That's not, that's not true. And it's not godly for us to jump into that as if we know all the information that God knows. So, and just to, you know, quote unquote, cancel people or things right away right, right, without, yeah. you know. Well, and, and even to, to support when we jump in to, to say, oh, yeah, this person's clearly right. Right. And this person's clearly wrong. We, generally speaking, don't have all the information right. to rightly make that assessment, particularly when we start to get then fired up and have emotions come into it. This is why, you know, James says in, in James 1, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That is exactly opposite of the social media culture, right? Facts, that that yeah. is exactly the opposite of how we live our lives in our society. You know, it, the moment Joe Biden says anything, boom, everybody goes crazy. The moment Donald Trump says anything, boom, everybody goes crazy. Now, these are polarizing figures, but as Christ followers, we need to slow our roll a little bit. And we've become, I think, kind of desensitized with that with social media because we live in this world where we've become so used to instant gratification. Right. We want yeah. everything now. Yes, and we, we get most things now. And so when we don't get something now, it's, ugh, we, you know, we immediately jump on it. Like it's, yeah. you know. Well, and that was a good, that's a good picture of one of the points that, that came out of uh, the Acts 20 passage as we were looking at it. So church leaders must live openly. I think this is a key to discipleship in general. I think it's true with parents as well. We want our kids to, to understand. They don't need to know every detail, but they need to know it. who we are. Right? Yeah, right. They need to know that, that we're not <clears throat> without flaws, that, sure. that we sin and make mistakes. And we can own that and repent of it and apologize. They need to know that. We don't need to put everything in front of them, but we do need to live openly. But the other thing is that, that when, we, when we love, when love is driving our discipleship, when love is driving our leadership, <clears throat> driving our parenting, whatever it is, then that produces in us, and I think it requires in us the 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 loving endurance that overcomes adversity. And mm -hmm. we see that with Paul in, in uh, Acts 20, 19, as he's talking about his own adversity. He's, he's, he doesn't know what's going to happen next. But he just says that the Holy Spirit's shown him that everywhere he goes, in every city he goes to, prison, jail, hardship, adversity, this is all coming. 
but it's not stopping. Why? Because the message, the mission must be carried out. He has to go and, and preach the gospel. He's got to get people who are dying to be living. Right. So that that driving love within him causes him to endure, to take that that long view, not the instant gratification. Because instant gratification says, well, this is hard. I'm out, right? <laughs> I, I, if right. I'm not seeing results right now, right. I'm done. You know? Well, and I think that's why we see so many leaders, I'm thinking even back, you know, like major historical fi figures that influenced so many people, like Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Hitler was, people liked his message because he was, you know, exuberant and exciting and fired up and whatever. And well, the thing with that is, uh, it burns out very quickly. And then you see the, the downfall of it all. Yeah. And this is why leadership character matters so I'm much, saying. right? Yeah. Because, because the, the talented, charismatic, dynamic People personality, I'm even thinking of some you, certain the, like preachers and whatever, absolutely. Who, you know, and you're going to have a ton of celebrity that, right. that comes to you, a ton of influence and power because of the power of your personality, right. the, the, the Tony Robbins factor, you, know, right. you get the big smile, you get the, you know, cult the, leaders the, the, the or whatever, you know? things, cult leaders, yeah. you very seldom. In fact, I can't think of any, uh, cult leaders who, who gain a big following who are weak in their personality. Right. right? right. So they're all talented. Right. They're all gifted. We can't judge our leaders. We can't choose our leaders by the giftedness or the, or right. the talent. And I guess that's one of the things I would encourage people listening. As you're choosing a church, because I, I recognize that, that a lot of the folks that, that listen are probably, uh, you know, of, of the seven that listen, um, you know, they're all in France, maybe don't uh, go to real life. Maybe you're not attached to a church and you, you know, and all of us at various points in our life, whether it's from, you know, moving or whatever else, uh, changes in, in life stages, we need to choose a church or, you know, even if we're talking about choosing a podcast to listen to, I listen to a lot of sermon podcasts and so on. Uh, we cannot, choosing this one. <laughs> we cannot, we cannot choose churches and people to follow based solely on their, their dynamic personality Amen. or their giftedness. It's we so need, easy to do. We, it, it's, it's natural. To right. do. That, that's the way we do it. In fact, that was the conflict. One of the conflicts that they ran into in Corinth was Paul's writing to that church uh, because Paul didn't have that dynamic personality right. the same way. So they're chasing after guys like Apollos, who's is more dynamic orator and, and so on and so forth. Apollos was also a good guy, but they were dividing over this, right? So he, he was also um, in the faith and, and uh, learned to be sound uh, from Aquila and Priscilla. But, but people were basing everything on the charismatic personality, on the giftedness, on the riz, on, on all these you things. You got to stop using that word, so. <laughs> man. You have to stop. I, pretty sure I don't have to. You have to. Because I'm pretty sure you know me well enough to know that I'm probably going to say it more now you because must. you said that. So uh, don't choose your your church leaders based on the Riz. Uh, we, I keep thinking of Rizzo we, the Rat. We need to be, okay, now that makes it even better. I really <laughs> like Rizzo the Rat. Uh, um, but but we need to be looking at at these character qualities, right. the, the being driven by love, being uh characterized by an openness. And when we do that, then we're able to assess the content of the teaching and the, and the preaching and the leading as well, because there are no secrets, because it's out in the open. And, and so when we have um, sound teachers who live openly, who have a love that endures through adversity, that then they will demonstrate that with a devotion to discipleship. And, and uh, again, in, in Acts 20, in verses 20 and 21, we see Paul committed to teaching the people 
from house to house, getting uh, getting sound teaching, the, the teaching of the apostles, the doctrines of the apostles into the minds of the believers, but also reaching out to unbelievers. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a devotion to discipleship and there's a commitment to reaching the lost that good godly Christian leaders uh, must have. There's that total package of discipleship in making new disciples and in giving roots to the disciples so that we're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples when we continue to do exactly what Christ has called us to. And then the the dynamic, the character of it, if you have leaders who set themselves apart above others, who lead from the ivory tower, you know, that that dynamic is an indication of a prideful heart lacking in life that is seeing the position as something greater than than the mission and so when when we see real christian leadership it prioritizes service over self for the sake of the gospel and and we see paul doing that that same thing and he's calling them to do the same thing that wherever he's going whatever he's doing the, the hardships prison all that stuff that's coming the mission matters more and paul says the only thing i care about I, my life doesn't matter to me. That, it's uh, irrelevant. The only thing that matters is me carrying out this mission of testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When that's the driving force behind church leaders, you're already in a much healthier place because you're not there to climb a, a ladder. You know the you know, and that's a little less of an issue in some ways in a, a low church, free church setting than it is in in more of the high church mainline. Uh, things where you have a, a hierarchy, but but the 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 whole point is to to be focused on the mission and your faithfulness to God. And as you do those things, then you're going to develop in your people a mutual affection and respect. You're going to earn it with your integrity, and people will will reciprocate the love that you give to them. Okay, I'm going to stop there because we're almost out of time. Thank you guys for listening. And we will catch you next week. I think we're starting a new series. So tune in for that.